0: You have to believe in yourself you have to believe in your ability you are capable of anything you can achieve any dream please don't limit yourself don't live your life limited it's not all sadness and misery life's a challenge but you will
1: succeed Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're at. Um, the, my name is Ryan with the Power of Helping People. Uh, you know, the good thing about the Power of Helping People is uh, my mission is to help one individual per day. And you know what? What better way to do is bring on guests and have them share their story. And you know what's really cool is that it could impact you. And so if you know somebody that you could impact somebody and wants to be on the show, just have them. You know, give me a call, DM me. But you know, I have a very exciting guest. Somebody that I actually went to a conference uh, to uh, go see, and you know, this this guy's got a, an amazing story. He's actually, uh, you know, his name's Bimbo Coles. Uh, you know, I'll give a little bit of background on him. He's actually played for the NBA for 14 years. Uh, he's what's really cool about this: the statistics of him. His career point, 6, points: six thousand six hundred twenty-eight points his assists listen to this his assists were 3313 and he's got 735 steals which is truly amazing i mean it, i can't i can't believe how many assists and steals cuz really if you're doing that many points probably half the assists is pretty amazing so you know the best thing about this though is he actually won a bronze medal in the us olympics in 1988 so you know this this guy came out of the west virginia area and he played uh, uh, he pretty much played every sport under the sun. So, what we're going to do is we're going to bring him on here. So, welcome, uh, Bimbo Coles. How you doing?
0: Hey, Ron. How you doing? Thanks for having me.
1: Good. I appreciate you uh, coming on board here. You know, I just, uh, you know, it's it's really cool to bring somebody at your stature into into the podcast. To, you know, because what we're trying to do is what our mission is is we're trying to help one individual. And what I thought I would do is bring you on here and actually show what you did and what, you, what it took to get to where you are. So we're going to back up a little bit. We're going to, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is we're going to go back and s- tell me what you played in high school, what sports you played in high school.
0: Well, in high school, I played every sport that I possibly could. So I was a football player, uh, quarterback, and defensive back on the football team. And then I played basketball. Um, then I played baseball and track at the same time um, during the spring months. So, um, and if I, if I knew golf was so much fun back then, I would have tried to play golf also, but back then I didn't understand the game of golf. So I didn't play back then, but I totally enjoy it now.
1: So, uh, you you came to Fort Lauderdale with us and you told us your your story. I want you to go back and tell us a little bit about your small town you grew up in, because obviously you grew up in a small town and you're born in Covington. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your, uh, what your town and, and your upbringing and exactly what happened going through high school well i'm i'm
0: I'm basically a country boy. Um, you know I, I I was born in Covington, Virginia, which is about you know thirty minutes or fifteen minutes from the West Virginia Virginia border. Uh, my mother's family was from West Virginia, my dad's family uh, from Virginia. So we actually moved to West Virginia when I was young, so i I'm from West I'll say I'm from West Virginia even though I was born in Virginia, but uh Lewisburg, West Virginia is just a, a town population of about 5,000 people. Um it has a lot of small towns that surround it that you know make up, you know, you have pockets of 1,000 people in this town, a pocket of 1,000 people in that town. So everything's about 5 to 10 miles from each other. Um just a very old country you know town. I mean, I basically grew up Uh, riding my bike uh, walking everywhere and um, I'm from a place where everybody knows everybody which sometimes is a good thing and a lot of times it's a bad thing (laughs) so yeah right but um just just small country town in West Virginia.
1: So so tell me a little bit about your high school which what high school did you go to?
0: I went to Greenbrier East High School.
1: Oh look at that Um, yeah you have have a you got a you got a
0: shirt on it. Yeah. Oh, I was, geez, I was, man.
1: I was actually the head
0: basketball coach for four years, and I just resigned um, about three months ago. And I moved to Naples, Florida. So, uh, so Greenbar East High School is where I went to high school, and I had an opportunity to to coach for the past four years, where I coached my son.
1: You know that's awesome, and, and what we're going to do, we're going to dive into your son in a little bit. But I want I want you to tell me, you know, a little bit about your mom and your upbringing, because uh, I know I heard the story in Fort Lauderdale. But I, you know, I want I want to bring that story back up because I I think that you know the adversity that you went through as a as a kid and and with sports and everything. Tell tell you tell me how much impact your mom had on your sports life.
0: Well, my mom had a a, a huge impact because she was a very strong. You know, when we when we you know, a lot of times they talk about strong black women, you know, that's, that's exactly who she was. She was a strong black woman who had to raise, you know, three kids on her own. Um, not only that, she had to deal with domestic violence. So as a kid, you know, these are things that we dealt with, um, you know, at an early age until my mother and father finally divorced and she got out of the state of Virginia. So, uh, just a very, very strong, determined woman. Um, you know, as a kid, I saw things that most kids probably shouldn't see or I don't want a kid to ever have to see. Um, but i seen how strong she was and how dedicated she was to her kids. And, um, you know, at a time where we didn't know where we were going to eat at night because she was working two jobs and uh, trying to put food on the table and clothes on our back and shoes on our, on, on our feet. So just a very very strong determined woman that I just really looked up to because you know the things that she went through uh, made me stronger you know as as a person.
1: You know that's that's actually really cool. I mean I I I had a single mom raise me. Um, My dad was in and out of the picture. I mean he he lived out of state and he'd come and back and forth. But you know it was one of those things that we'd see him for a day and then you know he'd go back to his his where he used to live and and my mom played a big part and she was a very strong woman, worked full time and made sure we had whatever we had, you know, we had to make sure we had food on the table. So I'm I'm sure your mom was exactly the same way. Now tell us a little bit about what the influence she had on your sports. I mean, did she, did she push you to do things? I mean, I know we, you know, I've heard the story a couple of times, but, what what did your mom want you to do and where did she want you to be because you were a star athlete in every sport you were a star athlete in baseball you're a star athlete in football you're a star athlete in, in uh, basketball and tell us a little bit about the three sports and, and what your mom had an influence on why you played those sports well you know my mom always wanted me to, to do what I love to do and 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 basically
0: that was competing um, you know I, I was a competitor a highly you know, just I would I would just compete it um, very highly competitive. Um, but, you know, in football, I was all American defensive back and had tons of scholarships to go play at all the power five schools as a defensive back. Um All American uh, was an all American basketball player and had a, a number of scholarships. And then in baseball, I was drafted um, um, out of high school uh, to play baseball. Uh, but my mom's her her influences was that you know I know you love all sports but you know it, and and at the time I was considering playing two sports in college which was football and and, and basketball but my mom was like you know you can easily get hurt in football um, and that was that that's basically all it took it was like you know football you can get hurt basketball you love is actually your favorite. Um, You know, that's that's an easy pick. Um, so she kind of pushed me towards basketball instead of football. Um, baseball was a sport that was played in the spring and summer. And I did not like to be, you know, I, I my friends was a big part of my life at that time. Um, so, you know, I didn't want to leave and be gone in the spring and summertime, um, you know, with baseball. So basketball was it was basically an easy choice.
1: Now, now you said you were very competitive. So tell us a little bit how competitive you are with obviously wins and losses. I mean, how, how competitive were you? I mean, were you, were, you, were you playing always on good teams? Were you one of those guys that had to win every single game? What kind of uh, competition did you guys have back in the day?
0: Well, when I was in high school and middle, uh, middle school or junior high, I never lost. Um, you know, I never lost until really I got to, my 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 senior year, we lost. Uh, we were the number number one team in the state of uh, West Virginia in football, basketball, and baseball, and lost. Never won a state championship, and we were the number one team all year, and then end up losing in the in the playoffs. So, um, what I can tell you about my competitiveness that it's I'm basically a sore loser. Um, <laughs> Um, I actually hate losing more than I like winning. If that makes any sense to you, um, absolutely.
1: absolutely. And I'd
0: say I'm a sore loser because it sticks with me until I have an opportunity to play again. I wasn't the best person to be around when we lost. Um, in fact, my 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 wife used to sit on eggs and you know eggshells after you know, we would be on our ride home after NBA games and I lost a lot in the NBA. I mean, a lot, um, actually lost quite a bit, my junior and senior year in college. So I just wasn't a very good person to be around when we lost. Um, as I got older, um, I was able to, you know, kind of control that and not be such of a pain to everybody around me after a loss. Um, I still wasn't real cool to be around, but I just wasn't silent and it wasn't, my thoughts didn't consume me um, where I couldn't socialize with other people. Um, so that's, that's kind of how my competitiveness was. It's like I, after a loss, I wasn't, I couldn't socialize because I couldn't get the fact that we lost out of my head. And then I always had this burning sensation in my stomach when we lost. And the only way I could get rid of it is to go back and start competing again. Um, so I didn't sleep much back in my competitive days because I, I couldn't sleep because my mind would consume me with thoughts of losing. And, you know, I would replay games over and over and over in my mind, like what, what I could have did better to get a win. And, um, you know, unfortunately, that's that's not fun. But that's who I was as a competitor. You know, there's there that was nothing I could do about it. Um, which now, made, now actually, the, put, go, yeah, ahead. go sorry.
1: ahead. No, when when you sorry, I interrupt you. When you go and, you, and you're so competitive, how do you tr- how did you transition that into coaching? Because obviously, coaching is that more. You know, you had you you don't have as much control over the game. I mean, you're trying to train these guys, these kids, but you know, you said you coached. Um, at your high school for 4 years you know how how was that competitiveness in there did you did you did you grow up a little bit and say you know what i you know i can only do what i can do and then kind of settle with that or did you say winning is and you know i have to win i have to win so we're going to get these kids doing whatever they have to, have to do to win
0: well that was you know that that was difficult for me at first it was really frustrating uh, but i was able to control it because i it was kids um one of the things I can remember having a conversation with my wife one night in bed and she just said, she, she made it real simple for me. She said, Bimbo, you play basketball for 14 years in the NBA, four years in college. Um, you were top 400 players in the world for many, many, many years. And you're coaching kids and you expect these kids to know and see what you see on the basketball court. Do you think that's fair? Well, that's a smack in the face from the wife. Um, She's a smart woman. Very, very smart. So it, I, I really had to sit back and think about that. And I was like, you know what? You're exactly right. So after that conversation, it made me see the game from a different uh, perspective from the, the kids' eyes. You know, because I can sit on the sideline and see and tell you everything that's going on and what you're supposed to have done, but they're not me. You know, for one, you know, these are kids. For two, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative or bad way, you know, 99.9% of the kids that I've coached are really not going to the next level um, to play basketball and are not going to the NBA. So I had to sit back and say, okay, I need to teach these kids. And it was, it was really cool because I had a conversation with Pat Riley. And I was like, I'm coaching these kids. You know, what should I do? And um, he said, teach them everything you know. So that put a lot of things in perspective for me. It's like, you know, don't expect these kids to know what you know is not possible, but teach them. And it was a process of me teaching and 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 watching these kids get better and better and better. And for me, it started to be more rewarding, and I started to understand. Um, you know, I, I was a better coach after that first year because I started to understand it from their point of view and not from mine.
1: You're you're putting things into perspective of of their what they're doing. Because obviously, I mean, I, I coach too. And then I enjoy coaching. I love being I like, obviously, I run a company. So I, ha- I have to coach all the time. You know, you got to be that leader. So you've got to stand out. But you also got to teach the fundamentals, the examples, and life lessons. I mean, the life lessons that I learned in football, baseball and basketball when I played were, were, were made me excel to the next level. I mean, I, I credit my football coach for where I'm at today because he made me be that hard nosed player. And he just said, you know what? If you're not the best, because I wasn't the best, you have to grind. You have to work. You can't give one playoff. You have to do 100% because what's going to happen is if you give 100%, there's always a time that somebody gives 75 and you will win that time. So you got to give 100% every single time. And there was no failure you know, it was just one of those things that you go 100 miles an hour. And I feel like that's the kind of coach you would probably be is, is, is you're trying to put instill in these kids, hey, this is what needs to be done, be done. But, you know, I'm going to teach you how to win, and I'm gonna teach you how to lose, because losing is almost as hard as is is anything. Because when you lose, you're learning a, a valuable lesson, could I have given more, like you said, could I yeah. have given more, you know, and, and that's just like, that's what I try to portray and that's what it's coming out in you. And that's why I wanted to reiterate this because I wanted my guests to hear, you know, you don't have to win every single game, but if you lose, you better learn a valuable lesson and how you can get better next time. And that's what a lot of people don't do in life is they lose and then they just give up. The people, you know, most people nowadays are feared. Basically, they fear of losing. They fear it. So they don't do anything. They they like literally set back and I just posted this today is you got to make sure that you teach these kids how to lose and win because if you're winning all the time and then you start losing it's real like you said it sucks you know so <laughs> I wanna I wanna go over something a little bit uh you know I, I, you must have had a coach that really just made you level up and get you to the next level who is the person that you, that that you really you know, just looked up to and really pushed you to get to that next level, not only in high, you know high school but college, and then to now go into into pro. So tell me a little bit about that.
0: Well, I you know it's it's funny you bring that up because there you know in in every successful journey there has to be somebody that's helping you get to that point. Um, you know, it started with me in the seventh grade. Um, And I tell people all the time, you can ask me over and over and over again, who was the most influential person in my life? And most people think it's a a NBA player or NBA coach, but it was my junior high school basketball coach, Peck Dorsey. And we're still great friends today. You know, at that age, as a seventh grader, my skill level was starting to be a lot better than the rest of the kids. And at the time, my... My um I didn't have a very good attitude. Um, I had a bad temper. So you can, you know, bad attitude, bad temper. Um, uh, and you put all of that stuff together with a very highly competitive person who lo- to, who hates to lose. So, you know, a lot of times I was putting so much pressure on my teammates. Because for one, they couldn't catch my passes for one. The second day wasn't at my level. So I'd put so much pressure on them and also, you know, on their butts all the time. You know, why'd you miss this pass? You know, how come you didn't get that rebound? Why'd you miss that shot? You know, on my teammates so much. And this is at a, as, as a seventh grader, my my coach one day after a game and, and, and you have to realize too, I'm a seventh grader playing with on the varsity with ninth graders and, and we never lost. Like we won every game that year, um, you know, 19 and oh and my whole junior high school career, I never lost. So me, and I, I just remember him pulling me aside after a game and I, and today he'll tell me he did it on purpose to get me to understand. So what he did and he pulled me aside, and this is after a game. We kicked butt. We're going home on the um on the, the yellow doll, the school bus. Yeah. And he was one of the only coaches that ever called me Vernell. And he would and that's my real name. So he said, Vernell, I want to see you in the locker room after we get back. And uh you have to realize I'm in a small um community so our junior high school was an old old 1890 building our locker room was downstairs so it was really dark and it was in the basement of the school there was no ceiling it was all pipes and dark and had the moldy smell and all that stuff that was our locker room yeah he screamed yelled cursed did everything in the book to me in that locker room it was dark wet made me cry but after he finished, he said, all right, let's go. Let me take you home. But after that, he made me think really hard about me and how I approached the game and how um, how I was reacting to my players and my teammates. And one of the things he said to me was, you need – I mean, you're the leader. You're the best player. You're always going to be the best player but now you have to figure out how you bring the rest of your teammates to your level. How are you going to get the best out of them? How are you going to make them better? And the biggest thing I brought, I got out of was that was, I need to praise. I need to, to congratulate. If something goes bad, I need to pat them on their back and say, it's going to be all right, let's get the next one. So that complete, like that, conversation made things click for me and I was just a terrific teammate after that for eighth ninth grade and for the rest of my career you know I prided myself on being a great great teammate and never being negative on any situation um, It's just try to take the positive and if it was a mistake or a negative situation okay how can we learn from that mistake and be better the next time and, and try to get that across to my players or my teammates without being very negative, you know, just being very uplifting and positive. And, um, you know, I, I credit him for a lot of stuff because he made me understand at a young age that, you know, you can't do it by yourself without your teammates. And if your teammates are not on the same page and if you're negative towards your teammates, you're never going to get 100% effort out of them. So I learned that at an early age, and uh, it's, it carried me through. It carried me through the NBA. I mean, one of the things that I'm most proud about is that I was the team captain on every team that I played for, and it was voted on by your teammates. So um, I prided myself on being a very, very good teammate.
1: Yeah, that's, that's an amazing story because, I mean, Pat Dorsey, I mean, dude, what an amazing guy because that's what I – like when I coach, I'm like, you've got to have fun. You know, and, and I had my son on my podcast on, on episode two. It was pretty funny. But I asked him what, what he really learned when he was doing football. He's like, Dad, all I want to do is have fun and give it my all and and support my teammates. That's his three things that he does. And that's what I've been pre- preaching to him ever since day one is like, it's not about winning. It's about uplifting your, you know, your 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 players and all your other stuff. Because he's that leader too, like you were. He's like that. He had a, he used to get mad when he was a kindergartner. He's like, "Why don't you catch this?" Well, now he's you know in fourth grade, and he he's he's more uplifting, and his friends are actually playing better now. So, dude, give props to Pat Dorsey. I mean, he's. He, he, do you guys still talk?
0: Uh, all the time. He's he's just been a big inspiration in in, in my life, and I, you know, I. I mean, I thank him all the time. I mean, he yeah. is. He's, he, but, you know, he he's just one of these coaches that, you know, really looked out for kids um, in his time. Um, you know, you can ask any any player that played for him, and they'll tell you, you know, he was a big part of their lives. And, and when we talk about sports and stuff, and I know sometimes I get in trouble um, with teachers especially, you know, in the past four years, as I say, you know, sports is just as important as your education because it teaches you so many life lessons. Now don't take this the wrong way because your education is very, very important. But I think sports, you know, for kids at a young age is also important because it does, it teaches you so many life lessons. Um, and if it wasn't for sports for me, I don't think I would be around and I wouldn't be the person who I would. I am today, you know, I could have easily went the other direction. And, oh, if it absolutely, wasn't, absolutely. and if it wasn't for sports, you know, I probably would have.
1: I think sports keeps keeps us on the straight and narrow. And I even tell my, my kids, even in my life, you know, the busier I am, the better I am. You know, so I want to make sure that I keep my kids fully scheduled. You know, they have sports, they have homework, they have this, because the busier you are, the more that you have to press through and you have to get stuff done, and you have to organize things. And I think that breeds... You know, really good, a good generation of kids because if you can keep them busy, that is the best thing for them. And so I'm going to go. So we went into high school and now we're going to go a little into college. So, you know, I want to, I want you to tell the story about how you picked the college because obviously you're being recruited from UCLA, Michigan, West Virginia, Virginia Tech, and you ended up choosing Virginia Tech, right? So tell me a little bit about, you know, who was, coming after you who was trying to to get you recruit you and then tell me a little bit about the story and how you actually ended up picking Virginia Tech
0: well you know it, it was actually a very stressful time in my life because I was trying to figure out what school uh, what sport um, you know I, I I loved playing football um, you know the, the thing about football I, I mean I played quarterback um but i just wanted to knock somebody's he- head off on the football field so i love yeah. playing defense um, so i was just trying to figure out basketball or, or 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 football but i i've had a number of of um visits already lined up you know we could only get five visits at the time uh, official visits um i was going to west virginia first but i was also meeting the football and and basketball uh, the week after that I was going to Virginia Tech also meeting for uh football and basketball and, and and actually I had five set up and they were all meeting football and basketball. So it was uh WU Virginia Tech. I was going up to um Michigan and then uh, out to UCLA and then back to Maryland. So then were my five visits. Um went up to WU first. Um now you got to remember, I'm growing up in in West Virginia, so that's all I knew, is WU football, WU basketball. So, at the time, I I wanted, I had decided that I wanted to play two sports, so I was going to play two sports, and in West Virginia was the front runner. Um, my first visit, I went up and uh, had met with uh, Don Neelum and the football staff. Don Neelum was the head football coach at the time. Met with the, the the football staff and everything on Friday. Um, got the okay that if you wanted to play football and and basketball, that you could you could do that. Um, met with Gail Catlett the next Saturday, or, or you know, fr- I met with the football team and then Gail Catlett and the basketball team on Saturday. Um, great visit. Um, was like this is where I want to be. Um, so. On my – I was meeting with Coach Catlett again on Sunday before I was leaving town uh, to go back home. So my mom had you – know, it was my, me and my mom and on, on the visit. Uh, she waited. We were at the Coliseum. I went inside, met with Gail Catlett. He put a letter and tent in front of my face and said, here, sign this. And at the time, I, I didn't want to sign it. Um, I told him, I want to play football here. I want to play basketball here. Um, but I'm from Lewisburg, West Virginia. I've only been to Virginia. I want to go to Virginia Tech. I want to go to Michigan. I want to go to California. And I want to go to Maryland. I just wanted to go, you know, free trips. I wanted yep. to go see these places. Yep. So it, he left me with, if you don't sign this letter of intent, I won't have a scholarship for you. Wow. So, he, you know, when you're the best football player, best basketball player, baseball player in the state for the last couple of years, and you're not going to have a scholarship from that guy, then this is really not a place that I want to be. So he tried to strong army um, and to sign. And so I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to sign. Um, uh, but we can talk later. He said I, I probably won't have a scholarship for you yet. so i said so, yes sir shook his hand and left um very very disappointed my next weekend i went to virginia tech fell in love with the people fell in love with you know the campus the basketball program and just had an unbelievable visit and then i just decided why go anywhere else? Because I absolutely love this place and ended up signing with Virginia Tech that Monday morning.
1: Wow. Wow. I mean, that's a that's a chilling story. I mean, he, he 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 tried to force you to do something that you didn't want to do. And he lost the biggest opportunity because you were almost like, why would I want to sign if you're going to force me to? So you ended up getting Virginia Tech. Tell us a little bit about when you went to Virginia Tech. You know, who was your coach? And and tell me a little bit about how the impact he had to make you go to the next level. Um,
0: you know, Charlie Moyer was our our, our head uh, basketball coach at that time, but Bobby Stevens was assistant coach, and he was the one that was recruiting me. You know, mm-hmm. one of the big things with him was that I look up in the stands and he was there at our football games, you know, when I was a, a junior. Um I'd look up in the stands and he'd be at a basketball game. I'd look over in the stands and he'd be at a baseball game. So I, I you know, I, I formed a great relationship with him. But, you know, we, we went through a, 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 some different coaches while I was there. We got in trouble for probation my freshman year. And um, it had nothing to do with me. I didn't get a dime to go there. I just loved it and just went. But there were some wrongdoings and we got put on probation. And we lost that coaching staff. And at that time, I was considering going my sophomore year playing football. Um, Had met met with uh, Coach Beamer, and he was like, absolutely, we'd love to have you. But the coach that we got that they just hired was Frankie Allen, which he was assistant for Virginia Tech my freshman year. He called me into his office and said, "Bimbo, if you don't play football, I'll give you the ultimate green light. Uh, to shoot it anytime you want. <laughs> well, that made my decision pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it it was just a, a great opportunity for me and my my career just went to another level. But you know, it, I can't say at that time there was anything that the coach did that that prepared me for the next level. It was just the work ethic and determination and my motivation um and my competitiveness that drive me to be better um you know a lot of people used to always say to me bimbo you never work out you never work hard you're out doing this at nights and stuff you know how are you maintaining i'm like because when you're asleep in the morning i'm up working you know i was at the gym at 5 a.m so when people were asleep i was working I couldn't sleep much, so I was a gym rat. So I I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. Um, my work ethic is one of the reasons that got me to the next level and, and kept me there for 14 years because, you know, going to the gym and practicing for me was fun. You know, it wasn't a job. It was easy. It was easy to go to gym and work out and shoot shots and go to the weight room. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, So it was easy for me. Um, And I tell people all the time is that, you know, I played 100% every time I stepped on the floor, every single play. So I really never knew what was going on because I was competing at that high level every single time I stepped on the court for every second, every minute that I was playing, I was competing at that high level. And it really pushed me to be better and better and better. I mean, even when I got there in my – in the NBA my rookie year, I didn't know what I was doing because I was just competing. Same thing with the U.S. Olympic team. People's like, well, how did you make the U.S. Olympic team? I was like, I really don't know because every time I stepped on the court, I was just 100%, every single possession. And that's something that I try to teach my kids. You know, we may not be the best talent. We might not be the best, the fastest. We can't jump the highest. We may not shoot the best. But one thing we're going to do is when we step on the floor, we're going to give you 100% every single possession. And people don't want to play against players like that. You know, I'd have guys in the NBA telling me, hey, you know, you need to ease up. I'm like, ease up? I don't know ease up.
1: You
0: you know, if you're expecting me to uh, to ease up, then you in for a long, long, long night because you just gave me more you asking me to ease up on you you just oh, gave yeah. me more incentive to go harder so oh, yeah. uh, that that's just who i am and 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 that was what that's one of the reasons that i i made it to where i did
1: so i'm i'm gonna go back a little bit and we were talking about this in the beginning about your son because your son is is a uh, is trying to go to division one and he's really just you know, pouring on it and he's working really hard. But tell me a little bit about the difference between you and your son and, and tell me, you know, how you're trying to get him to that next level and you're trying to push him to get to that next level.
0: Well, a lot of people ask me all the time the difference between an NBA player and their son. Well, the, the difference is I grew up grinding and were a mom that worked two jobs and, you know, everything I had, I had to work for you know I had to go I mean we didn't know if we were going to eat so everything was a grind as a kid you know because you didn't know my son grew up and 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 you always want to give your kids more than than you had growing up and so I, I tell people my son is grown up with a silver spoon in his mouth and most NBA players kids do and and, and it's because you're in a different tax bracket I guess you make money and you want best for your kids you live and you have nice stuff and so your your kids grow up a little softer than you grew up and it's just because of how you grew up so you know with my kid it's been okay I'm not going to push him like I would push myself because I don't want him growing up hating sports you know because the way I go after it most kids can't handle that, um, and and he couldn't handle that. So I had to grow up being – I mean, I had to be a little softer on him until he made the decision himself that, listen, Dad, I want to go to the next level. Okay, can you help me? I would always tell him, I'm here for you. I'm not going to push you extremely, extremely hard because I don't want you to hate me, and I don't want you to hate the sport. So when you're ready, I'm here. And then finally, he figured it out. I mean, it was overnight for him. He came to me and said, Dad, I want to be a Division I basketball player. I want to play at a Power Five school. Will you help me? And I said, Bailey, I'll help you. But this is what it's going to take. You know, it's getting up early. It's it's telling your friends you can't do this. It's putting the hours and getting the reps in. You have the talent but you got to work a lot harder than you have been in the past. And he's taken it and he's, he's worked his tail off and it's been fun to see his progression because now not only is he getting to the gym at 6 a.m. but he's spending hours in, the, in you know, shooting, you know, getting shots up. He's in the weight room for hours. He's in the gym for hours. He's taking his game to another level because his work ethic has gotten better, his determination, his motivation. Has um, got everything's gotten a lot better, and it's making him a, lot, a, a better player. And he sees that now. And it's been—I mean, it's been so much fun because he understands now what it takes, and he's asking me for help. And that's—that's that's been a blessing for me because I never wanted to push him, you know, to the limit that I would normally push to the limit. You know, it's to me, it's pushing yourself past that pain threshold. You know, and being able to handle that to get to the next level and to get better.
1: So and, when 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 did he come to you and ask you for that push? How old was he? May oh this May this May okay. 18, and, and he, 18. 18 years old. Okay. Now his. Is he being recruited uh, by any schools right now? You, I think you said West Virginia?
0: Yeah, he's, he's, he's going to WU again this weekend. He's been up there two weekends in a row. Um, he's going to Virginia Tech next weekend. So he's re- getting recruiting by some big schools right now, which is very, very exciting. And um, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, so, um, and in fact, when I get off the phone with you, I'm headed up to Morgantown for the – For the weekend, Virginia Tech and the Mountaineers are playing
1: uh, this weekend.
0: Big, big time rival. And the the funny thing about it is, is I'm a Hokie, and I'm on the field with the West Virginia Mountaineer basketball team. So I I, love it. I had to send our AD a message and say, "Hey." If you see me on the sideline, don't think that I'm I'm a traitor. But they're recruiting my son pretty heavily, so i <laughs> on the sideline, so I had that's, to.
1: That's great. I, I had to give him a heads up. <laughs> that's great. Now I see the logo looks like a Sparty. I'm a Sparty, so like I, yeah. I love Michigan State. So has he been recruited by Tom Izzo or, or is it, they haven't really looked at him yet?
0: No, nah, he 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 hasn't. It's been it's been West Virginia, um, it's been uh, UNC Asheville. Um, it's been Virginia Tech uh, and ODU are the teams right now but I I think he has his mind set on going to WU which is you know it would be very difficult for me to accept but (laughs) like I've been telling everybody this is not about me this is about my son Bailey and whatever decision he makes I'll support it uh, even if I have to be a Mountaineer
1: So I know you got to go soon, but I wanted to to end this with the best story that I've heard so far. I I actually heard this story in Fort Lauderdale. And I want you to tell us a little bit about your greatest experience that you actually played against Michael Jordan. And I want you to go into that story because, you know, when you told that story, I was like, man, this is an awesome story. So you got to start from the beginning, meaning, you know, how you were playing, how you made the playoffs. So start from there because this story, man, I, I just, when I heard this story, it was like, wow. Because everybody knows Michael Jordan. I mean, if you don't no. know Michael Jordan, you you just need <laughs> to leave because Michael Jordan is probably one of the best players. I, I, I have I have three people that I consider really good basketball players. I'm Michael Jordan, um, and to be honest with you, Kobe Bryant was probably one of the next. And then you got LeBron James because he's very talented, but I don't think he's the best. I think he's very talented, but I think Michael Jordan, and if you look at Michael Jordan and Kobe, they are probably one of the best two basketball players. So tell me a little bit about this story.
0: Well, uh, absolutely, you hit it right on the nail right there. But you know, I I, I tell people all the time, uh, you know, I've never I've never met anybody more competitive than me than Michael Jordan <laughs> and Kobe Bryant, yeah. and i and that and that's straight up. I haven't that goes to the limits that, you know, to to win and and just go at it and stuff that bothers you. Them them two, I consider them two right up there with me. I know that's kind of funny, but. (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, that's good, though. That's good. But I I, I do. And uh, just to tell you the Michael Jordan story, you know, I was with the Miami Heat and we were an upcoming team. We were all young. um, Everybody on the team was like 25 and younger. Uh, The Miami Heat was like the the third year of the franchise, and um, we made the playoffs, and we were one of the young upcoming teams. I mean, we we were loaded with young talent, um, but, again, we were young. The first year we made the playoffs, it was against the Chicago Bulls. Um, They're the number one seed, and we're the number eight seed. Um, We, again, we were young, and we talked young. And thought we were the best thing on earth. Um, So we we go in as the eighth seed. We have to go up to Chicago to play. We go up there to play. They kick our butts. um, The first two games. We go back to Miami, and again, when we go back to Miami, you have to realize this is the this is an organization that is their first playoff experience. So this is the first home game ever in the Miami Heat Stadium. So our fans was out of this world. They had these clackers that were going crazy. And uh, the place, the atmosphere was just the energy of the building, everything was just off the charts. And uh, we come out in the first quarter, we jump on the Bulls, and we're up, I want to say, 20 points in the first quarter. You know, we're young, and we've got our chest puffed out, and me and Brian Shaw, Steve Smith, Glenn Rice, Ronnie Cypley, We all walk over to Jordan, who's taking the ball out. He's on the sidelines, and he's bending over with his hands on his knees, and we're over there talking junk, like, this is it. We're getting this one. We're winning this one. We're coming back. We're winning this game. This is Miami Heat. You're in our house. (laughs) We're kicking your butt. We're all 23-24. Jordan looks up at us. He said, guys – I played 36 holes of golf today. I had a few, I had a few cigars on the course. I was just going to cruise through this game, but now I'm going to kick y'all's A-S-S. <laughs>
1: this is Dude, that be- is the best story ever.
0: <laughs> this is the beginning of the second quarter on the sidelines where he had not scored a point, not one point, beginning of the second quarter. He goes on and scores 56 points on us from <laughs> in three quarters. We we lose the game. We go in the locker room. Our coach at the time is Coach um, Lockery. He says, guys, let this be a lesson. When a sleeping bear is sleeping, let him sleep.
1: <laughs> right. So
0: that's the Jordan story. From then on, I never – ever said another word to the guy in a game because he was that, he was, he was that good. When, when you talk about that good, you're talking about the will to win the competitiveness, um, the talent, the basketball IQ, the defense, you know, he was just another, another player off the planet. I mean, it's, it's just amazing as a, as a professional that you could have that type of all um, when you're talking about another player because you have us superstars and then michael jordan was on the pedestal all by himself so just amazing amazing person and player
1: yeah i've, I've actually seen him play quite a bit when I, I i'm a i was a pistons fan and you know back in the day the pistons had a run so i mean we we had uh, isaiah thomas joe dumars dennis rodman I and mean, we had all bill and i mean all those those greats. So, you know, when I went in to to watch them play as a kid, man, I idolized Michael Jordan, man. When I saw him play, it wasn't even like he he was playing. It was like angels on the court, man. He was just literally go through and just everything was just perfect. It was like angels in the outfield. The angels were on the court and it was literally every basket went in. I don't think he, I think he didn't miss all but two shots the whole game when I went. So I was like, I can't believe, I mean, we're yeah. talking shorts from half court. He would make. I mean, we're just—it's crazy. But uh, I'm going to end with this. I want you to give the the guests here, you know, some advice. And and I think the biggest thing is—is is give us your best. You know, uh, you know, what you would, you know, give to our guest about your discipline and 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 going to that next level and trying to get to that next level because we have people that that listen to us that you know are trying to strive to that next level. And we talked about it before. Is you said 99% of people don't make. to to that next level so what percentage you know obviously it's one percent but what percentage could they make better by doing certain things so if you could give us advice for that and then we'll wrap this up
0: well i i always say is that you know you 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 can't be afraid to fail you know and this is my advice that i've given to my son is that you can be afraid to fail um because you're going to fail. You know, it's, it's what you do after you fail. And, and, I, and I explained this to my son. I said, you know, everybody has a gift. Everybody. God's given us all a gift. You know, what separates the ones who find their gift that God has given us is the ones that don't give up. So with my son, I'm like, you have to keep going. You're going to fail. You're going to miss a shot. You're going to miss a game winning shot. You know, things in your life are not gonna go as expected. It's what you do after the failure that makes you better. You know, either you can accept failure or you cannot accept failure and you can get better and better and better. You know, when you lose, can you learn from it? Um, And my, my biggest thing is God's given us a gift. Are you willing to fail enough to find that gift? You know one of the things I see with people in general is they give up, they quit, you know they don't they don't keep going, you know, and that's like me this this is the second chapter of my life. uh basketball and what I did then was was a chapter of my life. and one of the and i and I'll tell you this i'm I'm a re, like a recovering alcoholic, and the low the low time in my life was I hit rock bottom, and I had to go to a minister to help myself, and I was just trying to figure out why and why was I was out failing in life because I had an issue with alcohol, and this is after my playing days. Um, and I finally went to my childhood minister, and, I, and I'll tell you this, he lives about two hours away from where I'm from, and I was going to visit him. And again, this was a low, low, low time in my life. I was driving over, it was snowing, and I was in this big truck. There was a lot of snow on the road. I'm driving, I'm going up over this hill, and as I approached the top of the hill, my truck slides sideways, and I'm going down, getting ready to go down in the medium, and I thought that this was it. You know, I didn't really care. I was not suicidal. But I really didn't care what happens with my life at that point. So I basically let my hands off the wheel because I was like, take me. I'm ready to go. My car slides back on the road like I'm going down in snow, ice and snow. I'm like, I'm gone. I'm done. There's nothing I can do. My truck slides back to the road. And I put my hands on the wheel and I go. I just drive. At this time, I'm crying like a baby because I've hit rock bottom and I'm just trying to like this, this not, this can't be happening. Why? Trying to figure this out. How come, you know, I can, I'm great at everything. How come I can't control when I drink? So I finally get to um, my childhood minister's church. So we're downstairs and we're talking and I tell him what, what happened. And I was like, I'm just, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready. He said to me, he was like, I've known you since you were a kid. He said, you've always been very, very talented. He said, but even when you were a kid, I didn't think that basketball or sports was going to be your calling. Your calling in life was going to be to help people. And that's where you are in your life right now. You can either go south or you can work on yourself To be able to help people. And I think that's the second chapter of your life is to help people. I haven't drank since then. You know, I've been totally sober since then. You know, I took advantage of that, went to AA, went to meetings, met with people, tried to help people as much as I can, tell my story. Because if I would have given up on life, I wouldn't be here today. So, my you know, my thought is never give up. Never give up. Keep trying. You know, things are not gonna go the way you always want them to. But if you can get through that day one day at a time and keep pushing, then good things will happen. And that's what happened to me. You know, good things started to happen. I mean, I had a great 14-year career, I made all of this money, but alcoholism put me in a bad place where I lost money, I lost respect out of friends and family. And if I would have given up, I would have been dead. And I didn't give up. So I'm here to help people. It's not about me. When, you know, it used to be about me. It's about everybody else. It's how do I help you? And in return, I continued, I got better and better and better because I was going out telling my story, helping people, showing up, being very, very positive, never being negative. And I've gotten better. It's it's, it's just amazing. With me helping other people, it's made me better. And um, I tell this story and I'm not ashamed of it because it's a part of my life that I grew and it made me a better person, not just, you know, spiritually, but just a better person in general um i'm no better than anybody else we're the same
1: you the know difference- why, you know what you did you started putting god first and when you put god first things change in your life and that's 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 what's going on with me is that's why i started this podcast is it's the power of helping people and my mission is just to help one individual but today you helped more than one individual so that is why I wanted you to come because I saw the passion. I saw your, your heart when you were up there on stage, I knew that if I had you on my podcast that you could share and pour into my guests. And so, you know, what an amazing, amazing story. And I I truly appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate everything you've done for me. I appreciate it. You know, you coming on and taking your time, but you know, I think, uh, I think this weekend is going to be a pretty fun thing for you. And, uh, I, I, I'm really going to start praying for your son to really pick the the right choice and make sure that he goes on to the next level and and really I'm going to pray for you every day to help every single person that you possibly come in contact with. So you know I uh, I appreciate you being on here and and we are going to talk a lot more. I know we are. You know and and because you know we might even be doing some business together here soon. So like I said, it's just one of those things that I appreciate you taking the time and you know I respect I respect you a lot. So. You know, just uh, keep on fighting the game, and and never, like I said, like you say, be positive every single day, and go make an impact because that's what we're trying to do in life is make an impact and live through him. So, you know, that's I appreciate it. So, you know, have a good day, and we'll uh, we'll touch talk talk soon.
0: Thank you, uh, thank you, Ron. I really appreciate. It. It's been an honor to be on your show, and uh, for all your listeners, keep grinding, keep working hard, and if there's anything I can do, you know look me up <laughs> yeah right look me right. up i'm on facebook i'm on instagram bimbo cole so yeah and uh, we'll
1: and we'll put your links we'll put everything on there and then uh you guys can if you guys want to reach out to him he he does have a business so you guys can check out that too he does uh do you want to tell a little bit about your business real quick and then we'll wrap this up
0: yeah my my business is video surveillance um you know we we have a mobile video uh, su- surveillance system we also do fixed cameras we have a trailer that we can pull out and put them up. You know, a lot of contractors are using these things now, police departments, fire departments, uh, parking lots. They're, they're, they're amazing. Um, it's live um, feeds um, from anywhere, anytime. So you can watch all your assets and your property. But my, my um, website is um, evsurveillance.com EV surveillance.com. That's Eagle Vision Surveillance. And, uh, you know, look us up. We'd love to help you in any way we can with any type of video surveillance, whether it's mobile or fixed cameras.
1: Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on and and, uh, you have a fantastic day. We'll talk soon, okay? All right.
0: Thank you, Ron.